This podcast is from Christian Chapel in Tulsa, Oklahoma. For more information, visit us online at christianchapel.com. It's good to see you tonight for our annual emphasis on the Holy Spirit during the Lent season. Uh, Pastor Chris started involving me in this Wednesday night emphasis before I ever came on staff. And the topics I addressed in the past included one on the gifts of the Spirit, the guidance of the Holy Spirit, and how to hear the voice of the Spirit. The title for this message is The Holy Spirit is Powerful. Before I get the heart of the message, I want to remind you a couple of things that Jesus taught on the Holy Spirit. First, the Lord teaches us it is better to live in the era of the Holy Spirit than when he physically walked this earth. Jesus said, it is for your good that I'm going away. Unless I go, the Comforter will not come to you. And the truth is, the disciples had a hard time receiving that. They had abandoned everything to follow Jesus, and now he's leaving them? It was hard for them at this point to understand how living in the air of the Holy Spirit could be better than when the Lord was physically with them. And second, Jesus teaches us the Holy Spirit is a giver of power. Remember following the Lord's resurrection and just before his ascension into heaven, he gave the disciples very clear instructions. He said, you are not to leave Jerusalem, but you wait for the gift my father promised. For John baptized you with water, but in a few days you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit. Now let's look at what Jesus said in Acts 1.8. It's there for you on the screen. But you'll receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you, and you'll be my witnesses to the ends of the earth. If there is one word I could use to describe the ministry of the Holy Spirit, I would use the word power. Put yourself in the place of the disciples. They had no preconceived ideas in regard to what was about to happen. And they must have asked themselves, what will the coming of the Holy Spirit look like? How will we know when the Holy Spirit comes or when he's moving among us? That's where I want to cap out tonight. What does it look like when the Holy Spirit comes? And we had the answer for that in the book of Acts. When Pastor Chris began this series in Acts, he made a statement, I think in the very first message that has just stayed with me. He said, Acts is our past, it is our present, It is our future. Drawing from the book of Acts, we know exactly what the coming of the Holy Spirit looks like, and that's what I want to consider. And we'll move through these points pretty quickly. First, the Holy Spirit's coming is associated with power. Following the Lord's ascension to heaven, disciples along with a small band of believers gathered in one place to pray. And Acts 2, verses 2 through 4, is about the coming of the Holy Spirit. This is what it says. Suddenly, a sound like the blowing of a violent wind came from heaven and filled the whole house where they were sitting. They saw what seemed to be tongues of fire that separated and came to rest on each of them. All of them were filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit enabled them. Here are the disciples. They're talking. They're praying just like they did yesterday. Suddenly, a violent wind comes. Think of it as an indoor tornado, but they're not harmed by it. 
And in addition to that, they saw what looked like tongues of fire descending on each person's head, and they began to speak with tongues. Second, the Holy Spirit's coming is associated with miraculous signs. We don't know exactly when the disciples left the upper room, but they did at some point. They took this manifestation of tongues and power to the streets. A very large, diverse crowd had gathered. Jews from all over the world had come to Jerusalem for the Feast of Pentecost. What took place next was miraculous. Whatever language you spoke, that is the language you heard Peter speaking in. If you spoke Greek, you heard him in Greek. You spoke Italian, you heard him in Italian. What was taking place was extraordinary. There had been indoor tornado. They had seen these visions of tongues, or fi- tongues of fire landing on each person's head. And now Peter preaches in his native language, but everyone listening to him hears them in their native language. That's miraculous. Third, the Holy Spirit's coming is associated with the conviction of sin and changed hearts. You know, freshly filled with the Holy Spirit, Peter speaks to thousands. Not only was he empowered to be a witness for Christ, the power of the Holy Spirit was there to convince people of their need for Christ. When Peter finished speaking, the Bible says that people were cut to the heart, and they asked him, what must we do to be saved? Peter said, repent, believe, be baptized, and believe in Christ for the forgiveness of your sins. And that day, the church grew from 120 to 3,000. That happened in one day because of the power of the Holy Spirit. This has practical application for us. You know, look closely at American culture. There is an increasing hostility to the Christian faith. We can't put our heads in the sand and pretend like that's not happening. And of course, this has not happened overnight. There's been a cultural shift taking place for many, many years. In this hour... We need the Holy Spirit to convince people of their need for Christ. And the truth is, our best preaching and our best worship will not get the job done. It takes the power of the Holy Spirit to open people's eyes and hearts to see their need for Jesus Christ. And then fourth, the Holy Spirit's coming is associated with the creation of a new community. Within weeks of the coming of the Holy Spirit, thousands have been saved. Many of these people have been hostile to one another, and suddenly they're united. The Holy Spirit created this new community. Suddenly you have Jew and Gentile, slave and free, rich and poor, male and female, become one in Christ. This was unheard of. And here were people from diverse backgrounds coming together and unifying because of Christ. Community is just as important to God today as it was then. And I want to say something about the kind of community God wants us to experience. I want you to consider the relationship of each member of the Trinity to each other. First, God the Spirit, His great desire is to see people preoccupied with God the Son. He never brings attention to himself. His focus is on Christ. Second, God the Son points everyone to the Father. And he himself lives in submission to the Father. He said, not my will be done, but your will. Speaking of the Father's will be done. 
And then God the Father points everyone to God the Son. Twice in the Gospels, we hear the Father say, this is my beloved Son. And another time he says, listen to him. What we clearly see in Scripture is the Father, the Son, the Holy Spirit are committed to one another, and they live in perfect unity. And what is amazing is we have been invited by the Trinity into their beautiful community and to share in their oneness. In fact, Jesus prayed in John 17 that we would all be one as he and the Father and the Spirit are one. He touched on the fact that the world would only believe that we were sent by God when they saw the love that existed when there's this beautiful community of faith. The love and the unity within a community of faith is precious in God's sight. And the truth is, it's what the human heart longs for. We long for unconditional love and acceptance. We desire the encouragement and the support we can only get from a loving community. When you see a church deeply committed to the purposes of the church, or you see a church committed to the purposes of the church and to one another, you can know it is a work of the Holy Spirit. The book of Acts also tells us that people did not claim their possessions as their own. They shared everything to the point there was no need among them. What could cause people to do that? The power of the Holy Spirit. Differences were put aside. People were united and became one because the Holy Spirit had created this beautiful, this new, this unique community called the church. Fifth, the Holy Spirit's coming is associated with physical healing. Not only were hearts and differences healed, but there was power to heal broken bodies. Throughout the book of Acts, wherever this gospel was preached, it was followed by physical healings. Now look with me at Acts 19.11. God did extraordinary miracles through Paul. Handkerchiefs and aprons that touched him were taken to the sick, and their illnesses were cured and evil spirits left them. Have you ever had people rummaging through your dirty socks or your dirty laundry to assess spiritual power? You know, has anything like that ever happened with anything you've touched? This is what the Holy Spirit can do. You know, handkerchiefs and aprons that Paul had touched were taken to the sick. And they laid those handkerchiefs on them, and they're healed. So with the coming of the Holy Spirit, we find the sick being healed. But not only did Christ's death on the cross purchase our salvation, but includes the power to make us whole, spirit, soul, and body. Six, the Holy Spirit's coming is associated with believers becoming very bold in their faith, and I would add effective. You know, shortly after Pentecost, people, or Peter is arrested for preaching, and he is the one that had previously denied Christ three times. But now he defies the authorities, and he said, I have to obey God and not man. Peter is beaten. He is black and he's blue. He leaves the Sanhedrin rejoicing in his sufferings. He rejoices that he has been counted worthy to suffer for Christ. In the face of persecution, he doesn't ask God to protect him. 
He doesn't ask God to deliver him. He says, God, give me more grace and power to face the opposition. I mean, it's right here in Acts 2.29. I'm sorry, Acts 4.29. Now, Lord, consider their threats and enable your servants to speak your word with great boldness. Stretch out your hand to heal and perform miraculous signs and wonders through the name of your holy servant, Jesus. After they prayed, the place where their meeting was shaken, and they were filled with the Holy Spirit and spoke the word of God boldly. That's quite remarkable. You know, after praying, the entire house is shaken by the power of God. And we see that they were filled with the Holy Spirit again. When Paul talks about the need for you and I to be filled with the Spirit, he uses a Greek tense that indicates a continuous need, a continuous filling. And while there is an experience called the baptism of the Holy Spirit, it should not stop there. We are continued to be filled with the Spirit. And it's the fullness of the Spirit that enables us to be strong, to be bold, and to be effective in sharing Christ. There is a connection between the Holy Spirit and believers being effective in reaching the lost. And then seventh, the Holy Spirit's coming is associated with the unusual. Now, you may be thinking, I'm not sure about this. Um, when you talk about the Holy Spirit's coming associated with the unusual, I don't know if I'm comfortable with that. Well, I'd say to you, get over it. Get over it. You know, if you want to experience a deeper and a richer and more intimate relationship with the Holy Spirit, you have to get comfortable with the unusual. And yes, the Holy Spirit does work through natural means, but keep in mind, He is a supernatural being. He is fully God. An entire house being shaken is a bit unusual, unless you live in Oklahoma and have an earthquake. But throughout the Bible, we see God doing unusual things. You know, the Red Sea splitting in two is, is a bit unusual. You know, manna falling from heaven is a bit unusual. Being led by a pillar of fire by night and a pillar of cloud by day, that's unusual. A virgin giving birth to a child, that is highly unusual. And then Jesus spitting in the dirt, making mud and putting that in blind men's eyes and him recovering his sight, I would say that's very unusual. God the Father, God the Son, God the Spirit are supernatural beings. And the way in which they work will always be a bit unusual to us who live in a very natural world. For these early believers, there were a lot of things they didn't understand about the Holy Spirit. A lot of things they didn't understand. They didn't have the Word like you and I do, and we can read about the Holy Spirit. But you know what? That didn't hold them back. And today we use words like Pentecostal and charismatic to describe life in the Spirit. But what's interesting, those are not terms the New Testament uses. You know, the New Testament uses described life in the Spirit words like, pour out my Spirit, fill with the Spirit, in the power of the Spirit, led by the Spirit, clothed with power from on high, baptized in the Spirit, received the Holy Spirit, the gifts of the Spirit, the promise of the Father, the Holy Spirit fell on us. That is the Spirit-filled life. And I'll be completely honest with you, you know, kind of with me, what you see is what you get. Even though I've preached on many different aspects of the Holy Spirit's ministry, 
I have always felt inadequate to approach this subject. And here's why. The experience of being baptized in the Spirit and life in the Spirit is as complex as God himself. And it's humbling to try to preach about the depth of God's love and power. And what I'm saying is there may be many things we may not fully understand about the moving and the working of the Holy Spirit. But I do know this. By a miracle of God's grace, Jesus wants to plunge us into the depths of God's love and his power so we can be an effective witness in this generation. And I'm going to ask this question again. What is associated with the coming of the Holy Spirit? Well, the Holy Spirit's coming is associated with power, miraculous signs, the conviction of sin that results in changed hearts, the creation of a new community, physical healings, empowering believers to be effective in sharing their faith, and with unusual manifestations of God's power. Therefore, I conclude, the Holy Spirit is powerful. And our need for the Holy Spirit is just as great today as it was for the first century Christians. You know, there's a verse we quote often, we're called to the kingdom for such a time as this. It comes from the story of Queen Esther. And it's a beautiful verse. It's a great verse. However, do we realize the time in which we are living? We are living in a critical hour, not just in our nation's history, but in the history of the world. If we're going to make a difference, we have, to make, we have to have a fresh experience with the Holy Spirit. You know, I heard someone once say, if great preaching would produce revival in America, we would have already had it. See, everything we do is in vain unless we're empowered by the Holy Spirit. We need Him. Is there anything that we can do that would promote an outpour in the Holy Spirit? The answer is yes. And this may be the most important thing I say tonight, and I want you to get this. Here it is for you on the screen. There is a connection between prayer and the coming of the Holy Spirit. What you find is that prior to many of these outpourings of the Holy Spirit in Scripture, and even throughout history, it was usually preceded by a time of God's people praying fervently. There is a connection between the moving of God's Spirit and the prayers of God's people. In the book of Acts, when God's people prayed, the Holy Spirit showed up. And we've seen in Acts 2 that prior to the Holy Spirit's coming, the believers were gathered for a corporate prayer meeting and in complete unity. And the Bible tells us as 120 they gathered in an upper room, they're praying, and suddenly there was a manifestation of the Spirit's power. And he filled them. He filled them. We read in Acts 4 where the church came together for prayer again. The house was literally shaken by the power of God, and God's people are filled again. Now let me connect something else for you. What did Jesus say about his church? What would his church be known for? Not just love, but for prayer. My house should be called a house of prayer. So prayer is of high importance to Christ. There is a connection between prayer and the coming of the Holy Spirit. You know, James tells us the effectual fervent prayers of a righteous person avail much. 
Now, just for a moment, I want to consider what kind of prayer does God honor? I would say he honors fervent prayer. You know, the Greek word avail is the word energy. And the, the implication is there is an energy, there is a power, there is a force that is released when people pray. Now, what I'm about to say, it may rock your world, but it's the truth. There is no power in prayer itself. There is no power in prayer itself. The power is in God. And it is prayer that releases the power of God. You know, in response to prayers of righteous men and women, the power of the Holy Spirit is released and directed toward the objects of your concern. When you pray for someone, that individual becomes a target of God's power. When you pray for the church, it becomes a target of God's power. There is nothing on the face of this earth that cannot be changed by God's power. Fervent prayer releases the Spirit's power. Fervent prayer is a strong desire. It means to pray passionately about something. It's kind of like a horse that is going to jump over a great barrier. When a horse jumps over a high barrier, it has to leap, it has to stretch and put its entire body and every muscle you know, into it to get over that obstacle. The horse puts forth all this force to achieve this goal. Fervent prayer is kind of like that. It is a prayer with an intense desire that you desire your whole heart for God to get behind something. And there's such a strong desire in you to see God move in this area, you just can't let go till God comes through. But it's a crying out to God with everything within you. When we engage in fervent prayer, something happens. It always does. And then second, the Holy Spirit honors prayers in keeping with the will of God. You know, when you pray about a matter, I mean, go ahead and pray. You know, maybe you're uncertain if it's the will of God or not, but pray about it. Here's why. You pray about it, God's going to show you his will. And once you know something in God's will, be tenacious and you stay with it. You know, is it God's will for people to be saved? Absolutely. Is it God's will for our community to experience a spiritual awakening? Absolutely. But if something is God's will, then let's pray fervently about it until God's Spirit shows up. And then third, the Holy Spirit honors the prayers of ordinary people walking in obedience. Don't forget that. You know, that's what a righteous person does. A righteous person is walking in obedience to Christ. And they're living by both the precepts and the principles given in Scripture. You know, we cannot ignore Scripture and just do anything we want and expect God to answer our prayers. But on the authority of Scripture, when God's people walk with God in submission to Christ under the authority of Scripture, and they pray fervently for His will to be done, His Spirit is released. Now, I want to bring this to a conclusion because we won't have time for prayer at the end. But I want to remind you, the Holy Spirit is the gift of the Father. That's what Jesus said. The Holy Spirit is also powerful. And as we continue to walk through these weeks leading up to Easter, I have three suggestions for you. I want to make this very practical. During this time, I would tell you, first of all, reverence the Holy Spirit's presence and mystery. You know, Jesus said in regard to the movement of the Spirit, 
He said, the winds blow wherever they please. You hear its sound, but you cannot tell where it comes from or where it's going. So is everyone born of the Spirit. There is a mystery to the Holy Spirit. He's kind of like the wind. Well, what do we know about the wind in Oklahoma? It's powerful, and you can't control it. You don't know where it came from. You don't know where it's going. And while there are many things we may, may never fully understand about the Holy Spirit, I want to say this again. Jesus wants to immerse us in the depths of God's love and power so we can be effective in our generation. Regardless of where you are in your walk with God, regardless of what glorious experiences you may have had, there is more for you and I to experience. Amen? There's more for us to experience because there's more for us to do. And then second, during this time, make sure that you submit the Holy Spirit's plan and purpose for your life. The Bible gives us very clear guidelines on how to live our lives. We're told not to quench the Spirit. We're told not to greed the Spirit. To quench means to throw water on a flame to extinguish it. And then if I don't submit the principles in Scripture, I quench the Holy Spirit. And, and we can't claim the Spirit's power if we ignore the written Word, and we just do as we please. One of the Holy Spirit's roles in your life is to lead and guide you. If you ever take a wrong turn, I can guarantee you the Holy Spirit's going to show up. He's going to speak to you. Why? Because He loves you, and He so desperately wants you to walk in the goodness of God. And the moment you sense the Holy Spirit, wants you to make a course correction, respond, make whatever adjustments are necessary because it's always for your best. Life in the Spirit implies that we place ourselves under the Lordship of Christ and we're in submission to His Word. To promote life in the Spirit, I mean, th these are very basic things. Have a personal prayer time. Read something from the Word every day. Fellowship with other growing Christians. Be faithful to attend worship service because you can hear the word and follow the principles given in Scripture. And then the last thing I would say is pray earnestly for the Holy Spirit's power to show up in your life. The nation, the church, and maybe you are at a crossroads. I look at our, our culture. This is a time we can't play church. You know, we can't play at the Christian life. To follow Christ, you know what it means? It means we deny ourselves, we take up our cross, and we follow Him. Life in the Spirit is a life surrendered to Christ. And the truth is, the more yielded you and I are to Christ, the more of the Spirit's power will show up in our life. The more of His power will be reflected in our life. The Holy Spirit can be poured out, and He is just as powerful as He's always been. He has the same power today to come alongside broken people and make them whole. He has the power to change lives and to change circumstances. If we yield to Christ in this hour and fervently pray for the God's Spirit's power, He will come. And when he comes, things happen. He changes everything. So in these Lent services, 
Don't treat them as just something we do every year as part of our traditions. Make this time meaningful for you and your family. Let's seek the Lord while he may be found. Let's earnestly desire a greater experience personally with the Holy Spirit. And what he did in the book of Acts, he can do again. And I'm going to close with what Pastor Chris said about the book of Acts. I'll tell you, this, this series he's doing the book of Acts, it's, it's the, I think the best series I've ever heard in my life. It is just phenomenal. He is a very gifted teacher. I hope you know that. But I'm going to close with this. This is what he said. Acts is our past. Acts is our present. Acts is our future. So may the Holy Spirit come upon us again, just like he's done upon, come upon Christians in the first century and down through the ages. And it's all about making us an effective witness in our generation. I want you to stand with me. Uh, one of the things that these services are designed for is for us to wait upon the Holy Spirit and for us to have a response. And as I was praying about this time, the Lord put three things in my heart. I want to specifically pray for people who want to experience the baptism of the Holy Spirit for the first time. Second, the, this has just been on my heart for days now. We're to pray for people in need of physical healings. Wherever this gospel is preached, physical healings take place. And then third, I want to pray for those who are just longing, who need a fresh experience with the Holy Spirit. So if one of those three things touches your heart, you think, hey, that's me. All I want you to do is come down, line up across the altar here. And then myself and other staff members, we've got some oil. We're going to anoint each one of you with oil. And then we're going to take a time to wait upon the Holy Spirit and conclude with prayer. But as you come, whether you're crying out for physical healing, you're crying out for to be filled with the Holy Spirit for the very first time or for a fresh experience with the Holy Spirit. You know, just, just begin crying out to God as you come. Just go ahead. If one of those areas touches your heart, you're thinking, man, I, I need something from God. I could use a physical healing. Whatever your need is, just, just come very quickly. And we're going to be here to anoint anyone with oil and to pray for them. Thanks for listening to this podcast from Christian Chapel. For more information, visit us online at christianchapel.com.